Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. It is a wonderful Monday, Memorial Day morning. Memorial Day. Say yes. That, that sounds like a, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my day. Lord. I'll slap the shit out of him for you guys. Uh, before we get started, uh, thank all the veterans out there. Uh, thank you. The ones who made it home and the ones who did not. And uh, hopefully everybody's barbecuing and having a great day. Uh, so today we've got uh, a guy who... Uh, He's not Insta-famous. Why aren't you Insta-famous, Dave? I don't know, man. Too many creepers out there. We're going to get you there. (laughs) But uh, a friend of ours, Dave Hoff. Dave uh, uh, was a compound guy. He's a traditional guy now. And he runs like Forrest Gump a lot. And uh, believe it or not, his his name's Dave Hoff. So I have internally got a nickname is Don't Hassle the Hoff. Like... uh, that's pretty creative. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Whatever. Come on. <laughs> oh shit. So how many how many of those? Tell us about yourself, but tell us what you got the Bighorn one hundred coming up? Yeah, I got a Bighorn Hunter Miler coming up in a couple of weeks here. Yeah. Um June sixteenth or fifteenth. Uh I started getting into running a couple of years ago really. Uh, more just for, for fitness purposes and then started, you know, liking getting further out there and I guess just wanting to challenge yourself a little bit more. So well, you've definitely done that. So Jesus. he just literally just kept running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever since he started. Yeah. What was your first one? Uh, well, yeah, people kind of make fun of me. My first race I ever entered, I never did a 10K or anything. I jumped into a 50-miler um, out in Lordville. And, uh, yeah, that was my that was my first race back in 2016. So, How'd it go? Uh, not good. <laughs> <laughs> I was not trained for it. Uh, it was it was pretty brutal. I, I finished, and I remember telling my wife sitting there, there's no fucking way I was turning around <laughs> <laughs> and doing it again. So, <laughs> Oh, shit. Did you, like, grow up running or doing track or anything, or is it literally you just started a couple years ago? Uh, no, yeah, it was a – I actually – I ski raced through uh, high school and – into a little bit of college and uh something i ran for like i said for for conditioning purposes but never you know i was a i honestly was kind of a fat kid for a while in college i was you know i was about 70 pounds heavier than i am now and spent a lot of time in the gym and yeah wasn't too conducive to uh to hunting though so so basically saying there's hope for aaron and i (laughs) (laughs) man i ain't running shit i ran to the gym and back the other day i was telling you that yesterday that was a stretch for me and i wasn't real happy about that you look like rocky though it was raining and shit oh yeah it was raining (laughs) get your hood up and everything (laughs) i did fucking cold man i drove by and he was like punching in the air it was funny that is a lie i was not punching in the air (laughs) and i was like hey i stopped and i was like hey do you want to ride he's like he's like nobody cares work harder <laughs> oh, you motherfucker! Um, but I, so the uh, but you you did the Bighorn 100 last year. Um, I did. It was a uh, called High Lonesome 100 Miler last year, and yeah, that was down by Buena Vista. Yeah, um, up in yeah the, the Collegiate Peaks there. So in the Sawatch. How'd that one go? I went a lot better than the first uh, 50 miler. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, I mean, I was a lot better trained going into it, um, and uh, the, I mean, the weather wasn't exactly conducive to good running above timberline. It was sleeting and and a little bit of snow on us and fog and stuff above uh, timberline in the middle of the night. So I got a little cold, but um, you know, overall, I I finished it out and uh, yeah, I mean. I guess surpassed my expectations going into it. So that's yeah, that's good. So do you have people that run sections with you, or you just is it like all solo, or is it a little bit of both? 
can I drive a section with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, right next to him. <laughs> Doing yeah. a great day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you usually, you know, there's a you can pick up a pacer somewhere around like 50 miles. Holy shit! Um, and you know, at that point, you got you know a buddy that'll hop in with you and. Like I, last year I had a, a good friend hop in with me for 50K, um, and uh, I think he regretted that pretty quickly because 50 miles ended up being right about sundown, um, and there was a thunderstorm watch coming in, and it said, like, uh, tennis ball size hail and, <laughs> you know, 50-mile-an-hour winds possible. And uh, so, yeah, he jumped in with me and spent the next eight hours running through the night. Um, but then, you know, and then my wife actually hopped in with me for the last 15 miles and, and finished it out with me. So it makes it a little more bearable when you got somebody else there to suffer with you. So typically how long does that take a, a day and a half? Um, last year I finished that one in 26 hours and 55 minutes. Good God, man. So. <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrible with a capital H. <laughs> I'm not much of a runner though, but, uh, when I say not much of a runner, I'm not a runner at all. It's not good. I'm a good sprinter, sort of. <laughs> yeah. We dwarfs are very fast under short distances. Isn't that what Gimli says on Lord of the Rings? Something yeah. like that. I'm, so you can be Legolas, and then I'll be Gimli, and you can be that whatever his name is. Strider? <laughs> I want to be the wizard. <laughs> well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So when uh, – because I remember when I first picked up the uh, recurve – I think I met, well, I'd seen you before, but we shot with, it was you, me, and Ziegman over at uh, yep. Golden, which we're going over there after we do this podcast today. Well, if you still want to, because yeah. we're not members, because it's bullshit. So, <laughs> but you you picked up a recurve the year you drew 201? Uh, unit 2. Unit 2. And yep. how many points does that take you? Uh, well, it took me five. <laughs> Most people hate me because of that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I drew it on the hybrid draw that year. So Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But, yeah, and I had already sold my compound earlier that year, so I kind of was, uh, yeah, I was stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Which bow, so what What was it, like, what got you, uh, you know, like, what, what possessed you? Like, I get that a lot. Why the hell? Like, Rogan. Yeah. Why do you want to be less accurate? Like that's like the first thing he said when we when when we first met, and I t- said I was picking up a recurve. What possessed you to do it? And then how much of your friends gave you shit about it, or any? Well, I had a one of my I mean my good buddy who turned out now is my uh, my brother in law. Um, so yeah, I don't ask too many more questions there. But uh, <laughs> awkward. He, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he he got he was a uh, traditional hunter for a long time, and um, you know I was hunting with him and another buddy that year. And, uh, it was like the second day or second to last day of the season. And, um, we're up near Timberline and they were back a little bit further behind me and, uh, it was snowing and, you know, there was a bull that started bugling up ahead and I called him in and this is when I was shooting a compound and, uh, they got behind me about 50 yards or so just in time to, to watch me drop the rangefinder and air one right over its back at like 15 yards with a compound. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at that point I turned around and, uh, uh, you know, I, by the time we got home that day, I think I'd picked up my longbow that I had, I'd had for a long time, but just never really shot. And just started shooting down and I figured, you know, if I can miss him with a compound of 15 yards, I sure as shit can miss him with my stick bow. So, um, you know, it's, that's kind of what got me into it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I just kind of went in head first and, I don't know. It just uh, kind of, I guess, was a downhill slope from there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you've killed. Uh, 
What you've killed quite a bit. Sorry, Drew mm-hmm. from Selway is texting me here. He's building me another quiver, so I don't want to fuck this up. But <laughs> you, uh, you've killed quite a bit of stuff with it in a few years, haven't you? Yeah, I, I've killed a lot more with that than I did with compound. <laughs> I don't know. I was a head case with that compound. I had, I had such bad target panic. I couldn't hold the pin on the target for more than about two seconds. And I mean, it was that was that was my biggest problem. And I don't know if it was just you know switching things up and you know just a little bit different of a movement or different sight picture or what but um as soon as i switched to that stick bow i i've never i mean knock on wood never had target panic since then so yeah and you shoot with a clicker too right yeah yeah i shoot with a clicker but kind of, i mean what you've mentioned you know it's more of a draw check to anything and you know it keeps me honest uh, that way you know if i don't pick my bow up for you know a month or something like that i know when i draw back and hit that clicker it's nothing's changed yeah, yeah. So what you so how big was the bull you killed that first year? It was right around three something, wasn't it? Yeah, he was he was well, yeah, he grossed like three thirty eight. Um and but he was a funky bull. He had a seven on one side, his G two was split, and then his right side's so just a giant five point. Um but yeah, that was uh that was the third bull I sent an arrow to that year. So out there in unit two, <laughs> so the other two did not uh, did not contact. You just gotta send it. <laughs> yeah, you do, man. <laughs> so yeah, and then so and that was what year? That was 2014. 14. So yep. how many? How much? How much? What, what? How much have you killed with that thing? Because I see lots of pictures. But yeah. you're. I, but his wife is not here, but your wife is harder than woodpecker <laughs> lips as well. She's killed a ton of shit with a recurve as well. Yeah, yeah, she's she shames me a few times, that's for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we've both been pretty fortunate. You know, I think every year, you know, I've been able to, to kill an elk, and whether it's a cow or a bull or whatever, you know, sometimes I – she yeah she'll be cussing me i uh, two years ago i shot a cow from out from underneath her if that tells you anything about who we are <laughs> so, uh, we were not next to the truck on that one but <laughs> oh that's funny well she uh you talked about it yesterday she's like 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 you self-admitted your best hunting partner because she never complains yeah no for sure i mean she is she i you know nothing against any of my other buddies or anything but you know at some point or another i mean there's a reason i you know didn't marry any of them i mean no homo or anything but (laughs) (laughs) like her and i get along better than anybody and you know whether or not she holds it back or she really doesn't you know is having a good time out there i don't know but yeah she doesn't complain at all i mean we've been on some you know i mean you know, 10 day backpack hunts and stuff. And, um, I mean, nothing that's, nothing that's too easy or, you know, cat hunting in the winter. I mean, this year we were out in the mornings and I think she ended up with frostbite before she told me to, you know, go back to the truck. So. Yeah. I I would have told you before that. Yeah. (laughs) You think that long, any of the long distance running stuff that you guys do transfers over into, into being used to, I guess, the quote unquote suffering of, of the longer hunts or the unfavorable conditions? I think it definitely goes both ways. Even, um, you know, I like to think of it as, yeah, it probably helps me a little bit when things get bad on the hunt or, you know, or it's getting dark and you still got five miles to go or something. But I mean, the other side of it is, and I don't know, maybe it's just like something you like to tell yourself when you're suffering out there is that, you know, you're, you're tougher than any other of those assholes that are out there, you know, um, out there in that race. Cause there's, there's a lot of really good guys that, that race out there, but there's a lot of guys that kind of do it just for kind of like to be out in the woods and kind of adventurous, you know, and, and adventurous kind of hippies and, you know, we go out there and I don't know, I like to think like last year when it started sleeting on us and stuff, it, you know, wasn't a whole lot different than, you know, some of these bad backpack hunts that you get stuck on. So I think it goes both ways. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And we talked a little bit yesterday. You start putting a pack on after your race, a little closer to season to get used to having a pack on, but your cardio is pretty freaking ridiculous already. You're just doing that to get your legs used to, uh, your body used to a little bit of weight on your back, right? No, for sure. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, like, you know, functional strength isn't that great when you run 80, 90 miles a week. You know, you kind of lose a lot of other muscle mass. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm shooting down a bow right now, and I'll be the first to admit it's because I can't pull my 55, 60-pound bow back and, you know, shoot good with it. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw a pack on and for, you know, the, the month before season or so and uh, try to try to condition the legs a little bit and at that point do some more backpacking and, you know, go out and just, you know, go out scout and stuff, but, you know, load it down a little more. Well, it's funny. Frank and I were just talking. Amy, um, my girlfriend, her fiance, she is quite a bit more enthused about sleeping on the ground than Frank and I. Um, like, I would say at least a level, <laughs> yeah. mo- like, like tenfold. Super excited. <laughs> like, she's like, okay, let's go this weekend when I'm like, we're looking at the maps. And, you know, she knows nothing about reading a map. Yeah. And we're looking at going into those lakes. And uh, she's trying to, like, sell me on it. <laughs> but she doesn't have any fun. Ignorance well, you said this bliss. one slope is it so it won't have snow. It'll be fine. And I'm thinking you have, can have no idea what you're talking about. You just want to go. And uh, she likes fishing and we catch tons of fish in these lakes or whatever. But, you know, a lot of it, too, is just the amount of time when you're hitting that 100, 150 plus nights on the ground a year. The trips that are before you have to do those nights aren't quite as fun as I've gotten older as they used to be. Like, meaning I'm not just like, oh, yeah, let's go out and stay four nights. Like, one night goes by, we've had good fishing. I'm like, hmm, maybe we should go back and, you know, shoot the 3D course and sleep <laughs> yeah. in the bed because yeah. I know what's coming. Yeah. Um, where she doesn't, you know what I mean? She gets those trips for her, the only ones she gets, those early ones, cause like next weekend we'll probably stay two or three nights. Um where Frank and I'll have back to back to back to back, you know, five yep. to ten day trips, where sleeping on the ground does get a little old. It takes, and it, when you're not killing anything, it's harder for me to stay long trip on longer trips. Now, with what you guys are doing, I mean, how many backpack trips? Like, tell us some of the different hunts you, you've been doing or you've done either with your wife or whatever since you picked up the stick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess first on that, she, I think Hannah's a lot of the same way. She, you know, didn't really get into, she was a big outdoors, you know, outdoorsy before we met, but didn't really get into hunting before we met. And so it's kind of that, uh, I, I, you know, those first couple years are, are, they're a lot more fun. Like you said, I mean, it, just because it's all new, you know? And so, yeah, you definitely see that, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we do mainly like, you know, over the counter elk hunts around in Colorado. Um, you know, she's been around there, uh, New Mexico. I drew a bull tag down there and we hunted down there for, you know, 10 days or so, but mostly it's been, yeah, over the counter elk. And, um, you know, we, we usually get in there four or five, six, seven, you know, plus miles or whatever. And, uh, I don't know. When I go in there, I don't really like to come out, you know, until you, like you said, you got something on the ground. So, you know, we'll go back there and there's a couple spots I got that, uh, you know, we'll pack in from one trailhead and then just have the DeLorme or something. And, you know, that way I can get a hold of my parents or something and tell them, meet me at a different trailhead if we kill something. And so you kind of just through hike through an area, you know, or something like that. So we'll set up different hunts like that where we know that, you know, you might cover you know, 20, 30 miles from trailhead to trailhead, but you know, you've never got longer than a, you know, a reasonable pack out. So. Yeah. No, we do the same kind of thing. Um, 
Well, last year when I got the shits, actually, I didn't even make it to the trailhead. <laughs> I, I was vomiting up and down the trail, and I looked, and I'm like, that's not that steep. And, and uh, I had cell phone service, or I, I got on the Iridium, the sat phone, and, you know, I, I took a... No, she didn't know. I remember I said, you know, I was counting cattle guards, and I said, yeah. look, somewhere between the third and fourth cattle guard, just drive back and forth. I'll be there. And uh, when she saw me, she could see her eyes. She was like, fuck, because I had dropped down to, <laughs> what did I go to, 185? Yeah, I haven't had 185 since like fucking seventh grade, right? Yeah. Like I hadn't eaten in five days, and it got to a point where I can tough it out through just about anything. Yeah. But there's a certain point where mental toughness isn't going to take you It becomes any... pretty physical at that point. Well, like when you cramp, you're not mentally coming out of a fucking cramp, right? Like it ain't going away. And at that point... I could not get enough strength to go uphill. Like my legs were just smoked. I'd go a few feet. And so, you know, I just dumped off or whatever. And that's the way we, you know, it's, you're a lot more effective when you've got no fear of going anywhere and you can hitchhike back or yep. one of the areas we've found, there's a, actually a taxi service. You can oh, call. No yeah. You can yeah. Back and fucking put dead animals in <laughs> it. It's a van. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, about one, about one buck I killed, he gave me a ride back to my truck, you know, and right off the fucking highway, right? He's like, hey, there he is. Pulled up to the side. I'm like, is he going to let me put all this dead shit in the back of his van? He helped me load it. It was expensive, <laughs> <awesome>. but <laughs> yeah. it was a hundred bucks, but I shit, I would pay anything. I didn't want to hike that seven miles back. Yeah. But now what you shot uh, that buck last year. What how You shot it at like a few feet, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I shot him well, probably about three yards or so. I was, that one was out in Nebraska, um, a later season hunt. Uh, my, my brother-in-law and, and, uh, and one of our other good buddies, they started a outfitting business out there and, um, yeah, we were, we went out there with them and, um, you know, they're in a part of Nebraska where a lot more mule deer than you would think, you know, it's a lot more kind of like rolling cedars and stuff and there's whitetail on the bottoms, but, um, there's a lot more mule deer out there too. And, yeah, we were out there and, um, you know, we, we both ended up killing deer, but yeah, the one I shot, I was, uh, <laughs> they were coming in and I mean, they were, they're were actually hitting like a feedlot, um, you know, outside the feedlot where all the, you know, the rancher was dumping all the cow shit and the corn and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I just kind of patterned them in there and, uh, put some eyes on them and there's these deep cuts like along these cornfields and stuff. And I just snuck up the bottom of one of those cuts and he, uh, and caught him off, you know, as he was coming at the top of that cut. And then I overshot it a little bit <laughs> and saw him antlers coming through the CRP right there in front of me. And yeah, it was, it was pretty good though. Where'd you, where'd you hit him? Cause it was a crazy, did you hit him in the ass and it cut his throat or he cut no, his throat was, and hit him in the ass? <laughs> that was an antelope last year, but <laughs> yeah, that's a different one. Yeah. That's what you get when you shoot a stick, huh? Uh, yeah, no, that one I, I shot him. It was a, what I thought was, you know, a killer shot. Um, but when I hit him, my arrow like bounced out almost and I didn't know what happened. And well, after going up there and looking at it, I only had like probably six inches of blood on the arrow and I couldn't figure it out. Well, what had happened because I was angled so far down below him at that point, and I was so close to him that because he was actually walking above me in that cut, I, um, it took his elbow out with that cutthroat, man. It's just completely shattered that elbow and uh went up through the bottom of the cavity through the heart but then hit the you know the opposite femur on the other side and i mean the cavity is only six inches or so wide at that point so i mean literally the arrow just like came back out with the exception of the broadhead which had stuck and broke off on there um and you know and he ran off and he didn't die as quickly as i thought he was going to either he disappeared and i backed out and came back and i mean he was in the same spot but yeah he was it that cutthroat man it did a job to that elbow though 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I, we were talking about it yesterday that the buck I hit in Alberta, you know, spirit of full candor, right? I was really trying to decipher whether I was going to shoot it in the ass or the shoulder because I was like trying to pick out parts to make sure I had the right spot. And when I, when I shot, I, I aimed at what I thought was the scapula to, to go through it because he was bedded. And, uh, it went through the scapula and blew his offside leg in half, but I didn't know that. So when it came out of the hole going uphill with his leg flipping in circles, I'm like, fuck, did I shoot his leg in half? Because you don't know, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah. and then, I mean, Chuck Adams is, I mean, an, an amazing person and done amazing things, but he's written, any mortally wounded animal won't run uphill. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. I've seen a lot. And this thing went straight uphill. And I'm sitting there, you know what I mean? Like that when Shrek went into Duloff, remember, <laughs> they take the photo, that face, you know? I'm like, what in the fuck just happened? And then it fell over. And I'm like, well, I hit something important, right? <laughs> Same kind of a thing. That that cutthroat just, I mean, it destroyed that thing as far as penetration goes. But what about your 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 wife's buck? Yeah, uh, she... uh. And like I said, she, she's tougher me. She killed that thing in a blinding snowstorm. Like two days later, as I'm inside drinking coffee after I shot my buck. But uh, yeah, I mean, she was she was sitting in a tree stand, just in a kind of a, a good little funnel area. And um, I mean, she had gotten close a few times, but and actually had passed up on a couple of other bucks. But that um, yeah, was getting closer towards the end of the hunt, and uh, that yeah came back. And man, she freaking smoked it at like 15, 20 yards, and uh, put it straight through both lungs and. I mean, she, it's pretty, it's again, it's pretty cool when, you know, she calls me and it's, it reminds me of, you know, me when I was back, you know, when I was 15 or, you know, 14 and hunting for the first couple of times. And I mean, you can hear her voice quivering and, and, you know, she's going crazy. Just like, all right, I'll hold on to the tree stand, you know, don't fall out. But, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, but yeah, she smoked it and walked down there and yeah, he was laid up. So. Oh, that's cool. Now she's shooting a, a rampart, right? From yep. Buddy? Yeah, yeah, she's shooting one of Buddy's bows, the Rampart Legacy. So she she's got one of the original Ramparts too, but this one's a little bit heavier. Yeah, and then you actually you're shooting my original Palmers or yep. one of them, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That thing actually that that one you may want to sell that one and get another one. That sounded like it was jinxed, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That bucket riser blew up on you, didn't it? Yeah, it, it uh, cracked on me three times, and but you know they finally he just went ahead and made me a new riser the last time and. It's held up since then, so. Well, that's good. I shoot that bow really well. I like I yeah. like the the Palmers. They shoot well. Mike's just an interesting individual. Um, not the, not a talker. Like, yeah. <laughs> you haven't had Greywood? No. And there's like that silence. I'm like, can you get any of them? So, <laughs> so I guess you're saying no indefinitely. Yeah. Like no never? Like no like next month? Uh, that's funny. Yeah. So what um, arrow-wise, like your setup or whatever, what do you uh, – I know yesterday you were shooting a longbow, but for your hunting bow, what are you shooting usually? Yeah, yeah, I'm shooting um, on my hunting bow. It's, it's about. Uh, Let me interrupt just real quick. By the way, Dave is a giant. How tall are you, Dave? Uh, like six five, six six. And then how long's your pant length? Because I'm looking at you thinking <laughs> I don't want to race. Yeah, it's probably uh, it's like thirty six or so. Yeah, good God Almighty. All right, so yeah, so <laughs> you got an idea of how your draw is probably 31? Yeah, it's about 31. Gotcha. But yeah, all right, go ahead. Yeah, and, uh, for my hunting bow, I'm, I'm, you know, either shooting that 
uh, that Palmer or uh, I got a Hawk, and they both draw about the same. That Palmer's a little heavier, but honestly, they shoot about the same speed. Um, they they tune the same arrow too. But um, now I'm shooting a you know it's about 48 pounds at 28, so at my draw length it's about 56, 57 pounds. Um, and then for an arrow, I got the Carbon Express Reds um, with uh, putting. Um, between 250 to 300 up front, 250 for the Hawk and 300 for, uh, the Palmer. And then, yeah, shooting those, shooting those cutthroats, um, just with like a brass insert to get that 300 up front on the, the Palmer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the total arrow weight weighs out right around like 660 or so, 650. Yeah. You, yeah, have you ever chronoed that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did out of the Hawk. I haven't out of the Palmer, but like I said, they shoot about the same speed, um, just based on like kind of, you know, where I'm hitting and stuff. But, um, out of the chrono, it's, you know, it's shooting right around like 178, 180. Yeah. And that's what, about the same mm-hmm. where I'm at, I think. But, I'm, of course, my arrow is significantly lighter. Um, I've shortened my draw, though. Just I think I was overextended and whatever. So now I'm, instead of 30, I'm at like 29 and a quarter. But, yeah, I'm like at 180, 182 or something like that, which you 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 hear all these speeds and I'm finding people are full of shit. Um, yeah. I've shot just about every bow. <laughs> known to man and even on the real crazy like curly tip like a morrison that i think it's a what do they call that a max five that thing is pretty freaking fast with those crazy you know curl tips but for the most part if you're shooting in that 10 grains per inch and uh you know depending upon your draw length but i mean your 180 is about where you know plus or minus a few feet i don't give a fuck what bow it is it's going to be right around there and what have i got at the house what 14 different fucking bows laying like, yeah, uh, enough I mean, bows I, that I can't hang up my bike in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some shoot. The other thing, too, coming from a compound, right, where I'm like a not a speed guy, but with a compound, I always wanted to be between 265 and 280 with a 550 plus grain arrow. And I got it like a 28 and a half, 29 inch draw length. And with, uh, you know, the stick at first, I was pretty worried about speed. And then, uh, I realized, like, yes, speed is a little extra is good, especially free speed if you're getting it from just little torques on the bow or whatever. But, man, that shit doesn't matter. That fucking arrow, you can fart it as fast as it's going, right? Throwing bowling balls instead, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I don't don't even worry about it as much now. But when you ask a long-time stick guy, what's it shoot speed-wise, they're like – why? I don't, I don't know. Would it matter? Like, oh, Sticks okay. in an animal. That's yeah. all I care about. <laughs> yeah. No, for yeah, for sure. Where before I, I cared more. I mean, I, I like my point on to be at 40. Yeah. You know, that's that's important for me um, just for my the way that I, you know, instinctive up to whatever distance and then use my point on. Like, you know, yesterday, like you can see far shots. I mean, my point on, it, it helps. When I say far – Far for a stick, not yeah. even, whatever, like 40, 50 yards, it, it helps whatever, being able to, you know, relatively accurate using my point on for that. Now, do you shoot just instinctive or point on or? For the most part, I mean, similar to you, like where it's instinctive up to a point and then at some time, you know, you, you got to start judging a little bit just because those arrows drop so much more. So the difference between 40 to 50 yards is, I mean, it's. Feet. You, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I shoot instinctive out to about 30 or so. And then at that point, it's, you know, you start gapping a little bit more. Um, the problem with having a longer draw length and, you know, a little speedier arrow and stuff. And I shoot split finger versus, you know, I think you're 300, right? Yeah. So your point on is a little closer. Um, my, my point on is like, <laughs> I don't know what it is because I can't shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 65 or something like that. So I wish that it was a little closer because it would, you know, help me out a little more. But 
Yeah, I mean, it's instinctive to a point, and then at some point you just start to – you got to have that sight picture enough in your head where it's not necessarily gap shooting, but, you know, I, I know what it looks like, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For No, it makes total, total sense. So not to get back off or off hunting, but on the running thing, when you're – because, Frank, we hear all kinds of stories about the running stuff. So what, from pissing blood uh, – To shitting like, yourself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how uh, – like, you know, so for me looking at it like, you know, and I've done some like really long-distance road marches to where – you know, when I first did a few of them, I thought that um, you would just go the whole time, but it's humanly impossible. Well, it is yeah. for most. Yeah. So there's like break stations where you'll stop, chill, refuel a little bit, and then take off again. Is it the same way with that? Like you, you have a certain amount of time, I guess, and then you get DQ'd if you're over X amount of time, or how's that work? And then how often do you got to just stop and say, bucket for a while and take a break? <laughs> yeah, it depends how bad the day's going, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, you know, like usually they're the, the aid stations are anywhere from, you know, five to, to 10 miles apart or so, um, you know, on these longer ones. And uh, yeah, they do have cutoffs. Um, they're, they're, I mean, nothing against anybody out there that's running 100 mile races and like, and to run it just to complete it because it's I mean that's a feat in its own but the cutoffs are pretty liberal I mean you a lot of them I mean if you went out at a fast paced hike you would be able to probably meet them you know um, so Frank he's saying we got a chance <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so I mean like that race I did last year the cutoff was thirty six hours so I mean do the math you know like that's like three miles an hour hiking so yeah um, you know that's consistent obviously but so the cutoffs are there um, you know it's you. And they, but there is no like certain amount of time you have to like get out of the aid stations at, yeah. um, you know, I, who, who's now my, I got a coach and he, uh, he was actually, he raced the same race I did last year, the hundred miler. And, um, there was one point where <laughs> I didn't know him at the time. I didn't, he wasn't my coach. And, um, we were coming over a section where we just come off a 10 cup pass and you're up on the continental divide trail and, uh, you're dropping off into, um, it's called Hancock and it's an old like ghost town down there. And, um, as you're coming off that continental divide and I was towards the front of the pack. And so there wasn't, I knew there wasn't that many people out in front of me left. And all of a sudden I started seeing there's a pile of puke on the side of the trail, like every like hundred yards. <laughs> <show>. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I gotta be catching this guy, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I, I pull into that aid station and, and sure enough, yeah, he's, it, it was, uh, John and he's, he's sitting there, he just got his, you know, head in his hands. And I mean, he's pale white and just came down to, you know, a fueling problem by the end, you know, he just didn't have enough fuel on him, was getting a little dehydrated and stuff. But I mean, he hung out there for, you know, I think it was a couple hours, um, before he got enough, you know, gumption to start going again. And I mean, that was only, <laughs> that was like 50 miles in at that point. So you're only halfway done. And I mean, he oh, got back out and finished, horrible. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you, uh, did you listen to the podcast Rogan had with the lady that won that Moab 240 or whatever it was? Yeah, Courtney DeWalter. Yeah. She yeah. slept for like fucking 45 seconds that whole time. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. She's a nut, man. I've quote unquote raced her a couple times. I, uh, she she probably just crushed everybody. Uh, I mean, the <laughs> I had a little bit of a handicap on her on this last one because it was that uh, Black Canyon race I did down in Arizona. And, um, you know, the week prior or week and a half prior, um, she'd ran Sean O'Brien 100K, which is a 62 miles. Just a week and a half? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, oh, and I figured, again. I saw her on the start list, but I figured, because it's, so those are two qualifying races for Western States, 100 miler, which is like the, you know, iconic 100 miler in, in the United States. And so I figured, you know, and she, so she got her golden ticket, which is her entry into Western from Sean O'Brien. So we all thought, you know, she's not going to show up, but 
I mean, she just went out there for fun. But, you know, and so we see her at the starting line and we take off. And I mean, sure as shit, she's out in front of like out in front of me and she's out there with like that lead pack. And um, yeah, we ended up finishing pretty close within about 20 minutes of each other. But um, like I said, she had a, a little more of a handicap <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Good Lord. So. It is amazing what you can put the human body through um, and, and come out okay. I mean, you know, obviously on my end for running, that's like – yeah, I say that and it would take a lot for me to run 10 miles, let alone a hundred. But I, you know, as far as like, you know, you look at different people, what they do. I mean, even, you know, Corey, of course, Corey's like right at the cutoff, right? And, and Corey is not exactly a physical specimen. Sorry if you listen to this, Corey, but he's not like that. He doesn't have a runner's build, yeah. you know, but he, what did he run last year in a 50 miler last year? Yeah. I think he might've done that Leadville one. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I mean, so he obviously mentally, I mean, he's got to do it, right? I'm not, I, I mean, That's I consider it. one of the more mentally tough people I know. There's no fucking way I would run that for any <laughs> amount of money. Yeah. What exactly yep. is going through your mind there? Do you, you're just kind of thinking Me? like the- I, I know what's going through mine. I'm going to stop running. <laughs> fuck but, this. Fuck <laughs> this. Fuck yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. How fucked up are your feet when you're done? Uh, You know, you try to take pretty good, it's all- it's all maintenance, right? I mean, it's like throughout the whole day, like between nutrition and just overall, like your your physical. I mean, if like you start chafing in some areas, you know, you want to like get it lubed up or, you know, or, or your feet, like taping them up if you start feeling a hot spot or anything. Because, I mean, if it if you're feeling it 20 miles in, like, you know, if you feel like a little tiny pebble in your shoe or something like that, like stop and take it out because that little pebble is going to turn into a boulder by the time that you're, you know, another 25 miles in or something. So, you know, if you do a good job, like it, I mean, ultimately, yeah, you, I mean, I lost some toenails and like, you look at my feet right now and it looks like a 80 year old woman. I'm sure, you know, they're pretty beat up, but, um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of got to main, you know, keep that maintenance over your feet and, and make sure you're keeping a good job of, you know, taking care of those little issues before they come big issues. But yeah. How much water are you down and as you're doing that? Yeah, I mean, it like you know, it all depends on the conditions and how hot it is, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, but, do you, I guess that was a horrible question. Do you just carry a couple small water bottles, like we see guys running by us on the trail, and yeah. some goo packs, or yeah, I mean, it, 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 the race, like the high lonesome race, they've actually got like a, a minimum gear list because it is, I mean, it's you know, it's a lot of high alpine. I mean, you're going. You take it for granted when you can run it because you can cover so much distance so much quicker, you know. Yeah. But some of those. The similar sections, it's you know, you're 15 miles, you know, and 90% of it's above timberline, and you're going to be doing it in the middle of the night. So it's like, I mean, it's like 40 degrees up there. So, like, you know, if you, you know, potentially hypothermia and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, like I said, you kind of take it for granted when you're running because it's just like, well, just cover that in three hours, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, in that case, you're bringing, um, you know, we were required to bring a minimum of two liters of water with you at all times. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, you had to have a space blanket, an extra layer. Um, you know, you had to have a, a whistle, you know, for what good that would do you out there. But <laughs> here's yeah. another runner that's blowing his whistle. Yeah, you guys can faster. suffer together. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. So, huh? What shoes are you wearing for that? Um, I, you know, I've been trading around a little bit. I'm currently running in some Solomons. Um, and then I, uh, been trading between those and then, uh, a Hoka Speed Goat. Um, but yeah, they're a little, they're a little, like a little higher profile, like, uh, more of, they call it like a maxi shoe, uh, which has got like some more, more cushion. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that like, I guess, like to feel the, the dirt underneath their feet and stuff like that. But I don't know the way I look at it, you know, God made shoes for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you can use them. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way I roll. What do you wear for when you're hunting for footwear? 
Um, I got you know no, I, for backpack hunting. Yeah, yeah. I was I was using. Um, I, I pretty much wear the same boots no matter what. Um, but uh, I was in some uh, La Sportivas, um, those Trongo cubes. Yeah. Um, and I really liked those. But when I went to buy them again, they had discontinued the model that I was wearing. I guess they came out with a new model that was like very similar or something. But um, now I'm uh, went went to the uh, the Scarpas. Um, I don't know what the exact model is, but the orange ones. They're, they're the orange ones. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's a Charmeuse. Yeah. That's what I wear, I guess. Yep. Um, yeah, stiffer than hell. Yeah, really stiff, yeah. I, I, I like that stiff boot. I mean, you know, they're a little clunky. I mean, especially for, you know, for your day hunting and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, just the leverage you get from climbing and stuff, I can climb a lot faster in those than a tennis shoe. That's been a very debated topic on the Kafaru cast to wear, because Frank wears boots that are stiff as shit, too. Yeah. I wear Dude, I wear mine more than I wear my. I wear mine to the gym. Like I wear them constantly everywhere, you know. So I like them. I like a stiff, super stiff boot, um, mostly because of my feet, the way my feet are, or whatever. I, I, my, my arch is dropped from, you know, not enough arch support and flimsy, you know, footwear. But I, you know, it's it's definitely per person because you know some guys that have, I guess they just you know whatever in their DNA that going back dating or whatever evolved into being able to wear shitty shoes and flexible and not have to worry about it. But I've never had a problem killing anything in stiff boots. I know. So <laughs> I guess, you know, I hear people say like, I mean, you're the same way. You took your boots off last year and you were laughing about it and said how stupid it was because your socks were sliding in circles. <laughs> no, I tried to use two socks. I tried to double them up. I think I saw South Cox do that or something. And yeah. I tried to double them up, and they were fucking spinning around my feet. <laughs> Fuck, this is stupid as <laughs> shit. I fucking I, I took off this extra set, but um, yeah, I, I always take my boots off if I'm going to go on a stock, at least 100 yards at the very least before uh, I start the stock, you know? Well, I, I had to do – I had Solomon's on in, in Alberta, um, the first buck I killed with the recurve. And, you know, that was a big buck, no wind, and – Shit, the Solomons were too loud. I had yeah. to go now, but I was t I hit a prickly pear cactus. You want to talk about fucking sniper? Twelve o'clock, just boom, <laughs> hit the ground. I was like mother. Lander's behind me, laughing at me in that stupid fucking ghillie suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Jesus, and uh, you know, so I laid there and pulled them out of my foot, yeah. and then continued. And I'm trying to look at prickly pear a deer that I know where it's at, a deer I don't know where it's at, and not do anything stupid. But it's like a tenfold. You know, it louder when you have even like Solomon's. I had those um, oh, yeah. speed cross with the, you know, they're pretty, got a lot of traction yeah, on them. Yeah. But it wouldn't have mattered whatever. So, but this year or last year, I had uh, some kind of sneaky feet thing, which oh, yeah. weren't any quieter. The model I had really, I mean, they were a little quieter, but the fucking prickly pairs go through those too. Yeah. So, I was carrying an extra pair of socks or something, you know? I'm a, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of to the point either that or we were talking about buying moccasins. Who were you saying? Isaac just got some? <laughs> Isaac Elman or Alleman. Alleman. Alleman's. He just got some of those stockasins or whatever they call them. From Kip Fowler is the one who, who got those from some guy in Utah. He makes like high top moccasins. Oh, really? They're like Air Force Wands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kip's a killer. I mean, so uh, Kip, Kip kills big deer. Um, I was thinking about doing that though, something like that, because – I mean, on uh, you know, learning with when you can dump something at eighty, and then you're like, oh, that's a par four. Fuck, I got to get a lot closer yeah. now. Like noise is a much bigger issue than it ever has been, um, and it was an immediate thing that I had to like get a hold of because even dropping my binos in my bino harness um, when they're too tight and it's a little wet, they, it squeaks. Well, the one thing like you know, guys that have done it, Lander told me to put a 
like a cover, a fleece cover over my fletches I wasn't using. And I'm like, man, I've already had to fire more than one arrow. I don't want to have to, you know, but when I was on the big buck, the the one that's on the wall here, um, my fletching hit my leg and with no wind in that buck, I think he was at 50 or 40 something. It, it was just a, but his ear shot straight up. And uh, luckily the way the topography was stalking deer or whatever, I try to stay where it's just their velvet or their rack so they can't see. So it was literally right at that holy fuck stage of where his eyes were right there. And when I saw his ears pick up, I'm like, this is the hunting God fucking me because Lander told me to do this and I didn't do it. And it's going to blow this deer out. And I just froze. And finally his deers dropped back (laughs) down. But I was like... Jesus Christ, this is rough going, right? This is way harder than normal. Yeah, and, uh, learning curve's pretty did, steep. <laughs> did you notice that much when you first picked up the stick? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like you said, it, it I mean, it makes you a better hunter one way or another. And, uh, you know, I, it, like you said, every single little movement you make, I mean, just every single, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, for any guys out there that have hunted whitetails, you know, like you said, down the south or out east or something like that, I mean, think of how jumpy they are when you're in a tree stand. Now, like, now take that for an elk. Like, we're all, we're all used to these, you know, bumbly, like, horse-sized animals out there in the woods. Well, they're pretty jumpy when you're at 20 yards, too, you know? Yeah. So. it's It's been interesting for me. I mean, I mean, I've had good success, but it, I mean, I've also, I mean... I shoot a lot and I'm in the field a lot, right? So capitalizing on the opportunities you have is another, you know, thing. And a lot of those capitalizing on those opportunities compared to with a a compound is, is, um, you know, with a compound, you still got to be sneaky. And, you know, there's a lot of shit that can go wrong. But the things that that really that 40 yards and in where, you know, I, I would speed things up more with the compound or I would have that attack mode going where now I'm like, you know, I'd really like to attack, but I'm going to go ahead and just sit here because I'm going to scare this thing off and shit. I'm going to have to wait. And yep. But like we've talked about before, Frank and I, since I'm not a very good trophy hunter, right, admittedly, I would just shoot something at whatever distance. Well, now half the time it'll walk to me or a bigger animal will come out or whatever because you have to wait so much longer like animal habitat or or animal watching not habitat but animal uh behavior Behavior. you know you're like that turkey i could have shot 55 times with a compound yep but i couldn't so i (laughs) ended up waiting for 30 minutes before i finally shot it at like nine yards or whatever yeah it's just how it how it works. Now with well, on you, were you scooting pretty close when you had a compound anyway, or <laughs> did you have that battle Should've up? Been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely was. Um, you know, like I mean, admittedly, I didn't I didn't kill a lot of stuff with my compound. I I shot a few elk. Um, you know, back in high school. You know, my my dad is a big bird hunter, um, but I was kind of a soft self taught uh, you know bow hunter, and so I screwed a lot of things up. Um, and so yeah, I mean. I, got, I think it was just timing more than anything of when I switched from that compound to, to the traditional bow that, you know, you're in your early 20s and, you know, you're starting to figure things out overall anyways and start to figure out how to become a better hunter. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely got a little closer. I mean, you know, I think that's what made, you know, it's made like Hannah so successful is that she never, you know, I, I put a stick in her hand from day one, you know, and, um, I mean, she's killed, she killed a bull and a buck with a rifle and then told me she didn't ever want to do that again. And, you know, and just hunted with her stick from now on. And so I think that's what's, I mean, she's, she's really patient and everything too, but 
I mean, if you never know the other side, you know, it's uh, like she notices all those little like nuances, like you said, like with the sound and stuff. I mean, like I've found yet to find like a woman's pair of pants that aren't like made of, you know, silicone or something like that, that make a bunch of noise. And I mean, I'll watch her and she, you know, she's rolling them up like all the way past her legs, you know, and creeping through and taking her shoes off and doing all the stuff that, you know, I took me a long time to figure out and, you know, scare a lot of animals away. But I think she's just kind of had to learn that way just from doing it from the beginning. Yeah. Well, and w- I mean, with the first year with Brian, right, in 16, Brian had never hunted me with a compound. So he didn't really realize the level I could shoot with a compound. So we're hiking in and Brian is definitely more of a still hunting guy than me or sneakier. Well, I'm just bumble fucking in, right? I was walking around and a bull jumps up and I don't know, whatever, 80 yards away, it stands there, walks off and you know, at that point, Brian was like, well, if you weren't walking like a gorilla, and I, I mean, it truly in my mind was thinking, yeah, I'm going to have to do things a little bit differently because that bull would have been dead because I would have just shot it right when it stood up where now I'm like, hmm, I am quite a ways away from being able to kill that thing. And uh, now, and I'm, I still don't still hunt for sure. I'm just not good at still hunting. Now, if I know the animal has gone in, I'm a great, I'm sneaky as shit, but if I'm still hunting for the sake of still hunting, it's like everyone else still hunts with a multiplier of four in speed. I just can't. So you just walk regular. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It's bad. Like to a point, if you were like a still hunting type of a guy and we were hunting together, I would opt out and go somewhere else because yeah. you would be fucking mad at me by the time it was done. I just It's hard to still hunt with another person though, I think. It's, it's, I think for me at least it's only easy to do it alone. Well, and I, I think because you can too, work at your own pace. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think too that yeah, hundred percent. Like everybody's got their own pace, and I mean that that Alberta hunt is like the most. Like when I first went up there, I had all these envisions, like that Cody Robbins buck, and there's gonna be mold. Fuck no, <laughs> those deer are skittish, and I mean, it is truly like you would really like it, and you would too, because you watch them come off the ag fields, they drop in these giant canyons. And you have to come down these giant canyons and pick them apart. And I mean, anally pick them apart with binoculars. And then, you know, you're looking for antler tips in a lot of cases. And then, you know, once you've found it, you're like, okay, that's that's the first miracle. How the fuck am I going to kill it, right? So then you have to figure out your approach and if the wind's bad or whatever, where it's not um, when when you blow out one of those deer, you're blowing out the canyon. They pick them up in a tidal wave. So you blow out a doe. Normally you blow out a doe, the doe runs off. It's not that big of a deal. Well, this, as they come down that canyon, those deer have been hunted so much, they're like, shit, there goes Martha. And they join Martha. <laughs> and then there's Martha, Bill, Ted, and Frank. And then, oh, Sally, come on. And then out of the bottom of the canyon, there goes 50 deer. And you got to go somewhere else. And so it's a lot more, <clears throat> well, it's a pain in the ass what it is, but it's fun. It just takes a lot more. I mean, it's strategic. Very, very, which I am not, you know, the most strategic guy in the world. I can be super sneaky when I have to, but I mean, it seems like you guys are probably naturally sneaky. Not so much for me. I got to work on it. Well, like you said, I mean, it's a lot easier to be sneaky when you know something's there. You know, I'm, I think the only time I've ever been successful still hunting was last year when I was hunting that Wyoming tag. And I mean, it was just dead quiet. Nothing was going on. But I just got into this one area where there's a bunch of dark timber. And I mean, for whatever reason, every single swale I came over, there was a batch of group of bulls that seemed like sitting behind it, you know. And so I was like, yeah, hell, it's really easy to be sneaky and still hunt this if, you know, I'm getting rewarded every single swale. But I mean, like, well, like Danny Klum, I mean, I've never seen a better still hunter than Danny. And I mean, he, yeah, he'll, he'll sit there and pick things apart, you know, and 
I, I can't do that. That's that's not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think too, like, uh, I mean, like Frank just said it, there are certain times where I know I do not want to go with someone because I will probably piss them off because my method or style is, is, is different. Um, you know, in comparison to meeting up at the camp at night and then, you know, whatever. So you got some companionship, no homo, and then split up the next morning. I mean, there's definitely like, you know, you've got where you're, you know, calling in signs for a guy where you go right, go left or whatever. And then there's where you're side by side. That side by sit shit shit does not work very well unless it's, I mean, calling in elk. After that, it's, you know, double the noise. And, and I mean, you know, honestly, some guys, you may, there may be a tree you guys want to hang out on for a while because it's a good game trail. I got ADD. I'm like, fuck this tree. Let's go to the next spot where shit doesn't work very well. So, and it sounds like you and your wife have got her kind of figured out as far as that goes. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think we were talking about it last night and, um, you know, I think it, <laughs> whether you learn to when you live with someone for a long time you know and and you're married to him you learn to kind of swallow your pride a lot more too yeah and i'm a pretty prideful guy when it comes to other dudes hanging around me so it's like if if you're with me and you blow a stock or something i'm immediately blaming you you know but fuck that stuff yeah exactly so but was you know it's your wife it's like we both go this kind of the same way you know we we're a little more understanding of each other than i think you know me or a typical buddy would be so i think that's why it works so dang well but yeah yeah well amy right very independent hard-headed what else would you say frank you live there too she's very nice (laughs) (laughs) you watched dinner tonight (laughs) yeah no shit no no i mean she just um she's very very strong-willed person i do not think um amy and i probably ever hunt together she doesn't hunt but i don't know what do you think Mm. Yeah, probably not. Just like when you you would tell her something, she'd be like, "I know." You're like, "Oh, oh, you know? Okay." That does the I know stuff. It's great, dude. I just get to we'll sit there and watch. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, the thing is, when you do know, and you have a like, I don't. I mean, and you can chime in. I don't. My, I got thick skin, but generally, when there's like a stock, I'm like, "Let's figure this shit out." Because by no means have I got it. You know what I mean, or whatever. Hey, do we want to go this direction? But when I know like something's going on and I'm like, do not circle to the back of that buck, the time of day or the, this bull, the time of day, the wind's going to be bad. You get back there and it's squirrely. Stop. Come back. We'll do a frontal assault on this fucker and we'll kill it. And you say, I know. And you go back and blow it out. <laughs> yeah. I give, I'm like, I fucking told you it would happen. Right. Like I get frustrated with that. Very rarely do I get frustrated hunting, but where I mean, yeah, I mean, with I, I mean, she won't get mad at me. I mean, she literally, I'll say, hey, don't climb over that log pile. You'll probably fall through. That, what to her says, I'm going to claw through this to prove you wrong. Would you say that's... And then eat shit and then still try again. And then do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's got huge <laughs> scars right here where she fell on this stob. This is how strong-willed she is. Hits the fucking stob, falls down. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Just go around. Climbs back up to prove she can do it. <laughs> And I mean, whatever. I well, you Frank was. I'd walk away. I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, everyone else walked around the fucking log, but you can't do it, you know. But so it's funny as far as especially like I could never do a home project with a girlfriend or wife. Yeah, because Amy's mom would be a prime example because this kind of person she is wouldn't doesn't know how to put trim up the moment the first nail goes in. She's behind you telling you how to put the trim up. 
that for me, I can't fucking do it. I'll leave. Like, I can't handle that. So you guys have to have a pretty special relationship. Well, don't get me wrong, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, don't have her listen to this and yeah, you'll be good. You don't have a lot of places to run when you're eight miles back, you know? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you can hide a body pretty good. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you know, like she'll hunt by herself, too, a lot of times. Like, I mean, last year she had a she had a deer tag down at, uh, by my parents' place in the Western Slope. And I was up in Wyoming and... You know, I, I get to talk to her about halfway through the week, and and she had uh, gone up and she was she was hunting deer in the morning because they were kind of coming through the mag fields and stalking. And then she'd go up and she's hiking into this pond. She had a bear tag and a couple and an elk tag, and um, and then she'd sit the pond all day and then come back down and try to find the deer and get a stalk on them in the afternoon. And I talked to her and I was like, "Well, any luck, you know?" And she'd blown the stalk on this buck, and he, he was pretty cool. He was he was a stag buck, and he had like a drop tine on one side and a big two on the other, and he was a cool buck. But he she had blown the stalk on him a couple of times, and and then uh, yeah, and so she was getting frustrated not being able to let an arrow send or anything. And, and then she's up on this pond, and I talked to her that night, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, it was really cool. I had a I had a couple cows come in, and, and granted, she's never shot an elk with her bow. I yeah. mean, and uh, she's like, yeah, I had a couple cows come in, and, you know, and then there was this bull that was bugling over to the side, and he was coming in, and, and I was like, you didn't you didn't shoot the cows? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't shoot a cow? She's like, no, you know, and she's like, I, I wanted the bull. And I was like, you can't be kidding me, you know, so she's she's got her prideful moments too, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord, that's funny. See what you got to look forward to, Frank? Yeah, <laughs> you do. <not> me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know um, you know relationship wise goes like Amy has brought up. Do like she worries that I'm pissed she doesn't hunt, and 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 I don't generally say this, but I'm like I thank God every day you don't hunt because I do not want to deal with that shit. Where compared to like you or Danny, you know, uh-huh. uh, Danny Clum. You guys have you hunting partners. Yep. Yeah. I'm, that's not for me. I just maybe, – maybe if I found the right one, one, I'd be worried the pain that you're going through. Like, you know, and, and I mean a 10-day backpack hunt on day seven where you're running a little low on food or, or you're on day nine and you drop one but it's way, way back the amount of pain to get out. I wouldn't want to put someone I care about through that. I mean, not Make care me about. Sound like a bad guy. <laughs> no, I, I just for the way that I am. I mean, she obviously wants to do it, or she wouldn't be back there. But yep. you know, on my end or whatever, fuck, it's bad enough for me. Um, and there, there's this amount of struggle in backpack hunting. I don't give a shit what kind of gear you have, or if a horse drops you in, it's not home. I mean, it's different. No, no exactly. I mean, yeah, it, uh, that's definitely a piece of it. And I don't know. I think it's you know you you get closer with misery maybe but uh yeah i mean there's been a couple times well when i shot that cow a couple years ago she i mean we were we were doing the point to point hunt yeah we were about in the middle i mean (laughs) (laughs) it was Uh, it was not good and and she looks at me and i mean and she looks at me she's like well you think we can get it out in one trip and i was like well i don't know how much you willing to carry yeah (laughs) you know and and we ended up getting it all packed up and it was a smaller cow but you know we ended up getting all packed up and and took it out that night and and she was fighting you know a cold and had a little bit of you know and it was pouring rain and we were wet and i mean we had like seven eight miles to go and i mean luckily my parents had you know they met us halfway up the trail and that was a different story they came up and i figured you know hey you're coming to help us they're gonna bring backpacks right well they come around the corner and neither one of them is wearing a backpack <laughs> oh lord <laughs> so but my wife my mom took my wife's pack and you know and she got a little bit of a reprieve but yeah my dad he's like oh, i'll you know i'll help you and i was like 
all right. And I was like, yeah, pick it up. <laughs> and he goes, pick up the backpack. He can't even get it up off the ground. So, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's true. You know, you, I, there's a lot of times I do worry about her out there, but, um, you know, she's, she's pretty tough. I, <laughs> I worry less now than I used to. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. That's good. And I mean, with what, like, will this get my daughter's coming up soon? She's 17, which she's probably actually fitter than all of us combined. She runs track, but she, I mean, I worry about her, but we don't do anything too, you know, too, too crazy. I don't worry about bears or anything like that. Really. It's more like the cold or dehydration. That's the kind of shit that I, you know, or altitude sickness or whatever. And I mean, that kind of stuff, I worry about the bears and everything else. That's such a, I mean, the way that I drive like an asshole, there's a better chance of us getting a car wreck than an animal come in and being a problem. But yeah, it, it, uh, it's something that, I mean, when we're backpacking and fishing, we're doing the same thing minus maybe that last descent to the top that you're going to do maybe on a deer hunt. But um, yeah, overall, it's gone pretty well so far. We caught, I mean, I don't know, we'll see next week. We could be doing some fucking post holing. The last time I was in this, <laughs> I was with Derek O'Driscoll and it was in May scouting for sheep and... uh it was bad. Like I told Amy, I said, post holing wise, as far as physical pain, not on a hunt, it was like two miles of post holing and five feet of snow to a point like I'm laying on my stomach like a whale, kind of walrusing across the top because I kept going through. And I'm thinking, well, I guess we'll see, you know, if we end up doing that, how tough you are. I mean, because she'll, she's pretty tough. Um, I mean, but there's a certain point where I think, where with Frank or I, I'll just say, Frank, I'm done. I think with her, she feels, I don't know, what do you think? She has to prove something and she won't. Well, the other day, how many times did I asked her if her feet were okay? What, six, seven, eight? Quite a few, yeah. Yeah, she got blister the size of uh, the lid of this, of uh, <laughs> you know, this kombucha bottle. She just didn't want to say anything. Where me, I'll be the first, I'm stopping, I got to tape up my foot, <laughs> break time. So I think part of it too is like, you know, feeling like they don't want to until they're comfortable be the weak one where with me i don't give a shit i'll just say hey i need a break or whatever yeah i feel I think, like you don't want to hold your back or something but i think the, the my favorite thing that she ever did is when she fucking when we slid down that hill oh jesus she slid straight into a tree dude like aimed for it <laughs> like i aaron went first and then i followed exactly where he went and then she's like 10 feet to the left of me and she just goes straight into a fucking tree and the, when she was like halfway down she's like oh shit tree yeah well and then aaron's I mean, just fucking pissed dude it was the it was, i was just laughing my ass off it well, was the, great the, the thing is is you always have um with hunting buddies or, you know, you have, and I'm bad about it. James Pecker, like what podcast, when we're on a goat hunt and we're trying to figure out how to get up this, this cliff and I'm, I'm good at climbing. And so I start climbing and James is yelling at me from the bottom and I get, you know, 10 feet up to a point. He just walked away, right? He just, he didn't want to see me die. And, uh, you know, I get up there and I got a pack on, it's like 50 pounds. And I did, I got about 10 feet to 15 feet up and I look down and I'm pulling some of these rocks out because it's clay. I'm like, fuck yeah, maybe this wasn't a good idea. And I think that's the kind of the thing where, and he told me later, he's like, I knew you were going to die if you tried to go to the top. I didn't want to watch it. I have to do that with Amy if she won't listen. And so like with that, when you purposefully, like literally she slid, she didn't think about it, right? She didn't, Reminded me as a kid, we built this long like rope slide, right? Yeah. And we all argued for who, you know, when you're 12, right? You're stupid as shit, right? Who was going to get to go first? 
No one really comprehended what happened at the end of the rope, that there was a tree tied to it. <laughs> yeah. So the first guy goes that won, and he slams into the tree, and then everybody's looking around. Nobody wants to go anymore because we weren't thinking ahead. <laughs> I just don't think she's been in those situations enough to really calculate at the end of this slope. There's a giant tree. Luckily, her feet hit first or whatever, but I'm like, why did you go there? Like, I'm trying to be like, I'm like, why? Why didn't you follow? It wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm like, well, I mean, could've not. Been. it could have been. Yeah, you were going pretty fast. You know? <laughs> so, oh, Lord. How much do you guys argue back there? Do you guys ever get in like major blowouts? Yeah, it's happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's usually because, yeah, I mean, Usually because, yeah, one of us will screw something up or, you know, end up, yeah, wanting to turn around or something like that. But, you know, like I said, the, I mean, the one thing about her starting to, to become a better and better hunter is that, you know, she at first it was kind of nice because, you know, it's just like having an extra hand around. But, you know, you still get to make all the decisions and everything because, you know, she counts on you to make those decisions because she likes to kill things. And uh, <laughs> now she's she's to the point where she's a good enough hunter, man. She'll she kind of, you know, she makes a lot of decisions for herself and thinks about, you know, certain better ways to do things or, you know, we get above an elk herd or something like that. She wants to move in. I want to hold back or something. And yeah, you're getting a little bit of, you know, kind of a pissing match on what to do, but yeah. What do you think about Frank? I will stay single for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I mean, it, and that happens with where you click, right? There's certain, James Pecker is a good example. He and I clicked really well. We were same aggressiveness or, you know, like some guys you're here, animals are 800 yards away. You only need to look at them real quick and you're making the rest of your plan on the way. Other people will have three layered geographic studied maps with aerial platforms and shit. And and I'm like, fucking go, go kill it. Right. And that doesn't work. Right. Like I'm not a guy that's going to sit there if the wind is right and it looks good. I'm, I'm, I'm going and I'm going fast too. But there's other guys that really will almost plan it. Like for a planner, the worst thing that can happen is when the elk bugle out the truck. Yeah. They've planned the entire day. They're like, fuck, the plan is gone, right? Like yep. it just drives them crazy where we, I wing it probably too much. And you got a guy that wings it and a guy that's a planner, man, that shit does not work out very well. And I can only imagine if it's your, you know, spouse, Jesus, that could get ugly quick. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, we honestly, like, I mean, it has been some tips, but usually it ends up all right by the time we all get back to the camp. So sometimes it's a little quieter walk back than others, you know, but we had, uh, I mean, like, yeah, her and I have done pretty good. I took my dad on a, a backpack hunt uh, back three years ago down in New Mexico. I drew a Gila tag down there the year after I drew that unit two tag and um, I took him down there for, for 14 days and uh you know, he's, he's in good shape, but he's not much of a backpacker. Yeah. And, and you go into the wilderness for 15 days, those creature comforts aren't really there. And I was about halfway in or so. And, um, there's this, man, there's this big bull that I'd seen up in this basin a few days before and I'd screwed it up once and, and he started lighting off and he was in the, they were very isolated. You knew it was him, you know? And, yeah. uh, I told him, I was like, all right, I'm going to wait, you know, wait till the winds are right. And of course, you know, just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And finally I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go make a move on him. So I start making my way up the drainage and my dad's coming with me. And all of a sudden I look up and I see a cow coming down and right behind that cow is another cow. And then this bull. And I mean, this bull's bigger than any bull I saw out there and needed to, you know, just an absolute stud. And he's coming down and my dad, you know, kneels down behind a tree about 20 yards behind me or so. And 
that front cow comes down i get stuck and you're in a big burn area with tall you know tall grass you can't really see and and uh that first cow comes down and she about steps on me man she's from me to like the end of the table and uh the second cow comes through and she walked past me and i and uh i'm sitting here watching this bull his he got his nose up her ass you know and he's gonna walk five yards from me and so i'm like i got my arrow ready i got my pack off everything's good to go that that second cow she smells something and she just you know starts to cruise off and I jumped to my feet and I cow called all at once and that bull stopped broadside at 15 yards and I'm at full draw and I mean you know like those last couple seconds when you're pulling through that clicker you're like it's gonna happen like that arrow's going and uh all of a sudden and I mean the bull stopped with a head behind a tree that like, couldn't see me or anything and all of a sudden that bull just sprints takes off and I was like what the fuck and I look back and my dad's like looks at me he's like well did you hit him did you hit him <laughs> and what happened is he he had seen all the commotion he thought i shot that bull when that cow jumped so he jumps out from behind this tree and screwed this bull up but yeah i mean you want to talk about conflict <laughs> i was about ready to leave him out there and we had a long like hike back all the way to the camp that night and yeah i didn't care how badly he was hurting that night i <laughs> i was i was running him into the ground <laughs> how old's your dad uh he's in his he's late 50s yeah yeah yeah. still but he still gets around pretty good obviously yeah he mean he's done manual labor his whole life you know ranches and he trains he trains bird dogs for a living over there and uh yeah i mean he's outside all day long so yeah yeah no those kind of situations can yeah i mean i don't you haven't had to deal with that too too much have you what's that oh with a hunting partner screwing up Mm, not really no i do well as you can as you know i do a lot of stuff on my own so yeah, solo stuff. I mean, usually though, I mean, like that or whatever. Um, I mean, you and I like same moral compass and same whatever. Like, it's if 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 a guy finds a big buck, for example, you know, flagging him in, you can't really screw that up, right? Like, you're so far away, but when you're going in at the same time, it's different. Like, we're up there for bears, you got a camera or whatever. But I mean, when it comes down, especially calling in elk, because the caller doesn't know what's going on. So I always try to err to the side of caution and just until someone comes gets me i try not to move because you can screw it up so much because those bulls will come in quiet especially the big ones will sometimes and you know you're walking up to say hey did you get one and then there's a you blow them out so like for me i just (laughs) your ass has to come back and get me unless i hear the bow go off and then i'm coming forward real slow because you just don't know and and that can be bad too because new hunters when they're excited they don't know right they oh, run yeah. forward and and I, I remember the first year jeremy and i hunted together where i called for him and uh and i was on you know admittedly roids so yeah. fuck temper <laughs> like i was not as patient as i am now there's a few times i'm like what i'm just fucking irritated and i'm like what are you why you know and what and it means just for and he killed a bull and we were in lots of elk and i remember the one time we were calling in this this big herd bull and I remember specifically saying, do not go forward. There's because he had like 40 cows and I'm like, we're, I, you know, I'll get him to come, you know, because and you know where we're at or whatever. It's pretty wide open. And I'm like, I'll get him to come in for a shot, but he's not going to come all the way and he's got too many cows. And I look forward and I see Jeremy sprinting forward. And then I look over to the right and there's like the entire you know, hurt leaving. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm not exactly 100% sure what happened there, but it wasn't good. And uh, that same day, like that was, I had a little temper tantrum. And uh, when I say temper tantrum, it was one of those, you know, why, what the hell? And then I'm like, well, man, with that many cows, there has got to be a satellite bull close. And I hit a, an estrus call or, or 
whatever the fuck Chris Rowe calls it, excited cow call. And dude, this raghorn comes in like 400 yards away on a dead run, like so fast I hit the ground and I'm like, holy shit, grab a bow, dude. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny how fast, because it went from like a semi-disgruntled couple to, you know, elation and high-fiving or whatever, how quick that can happen. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I would imagine though with, with her or whatever, like that's, like you said, I mean, that's probably her being new at it or whatever. I mean, certainly like reminds you of certain things or whatever that, you know, when you first started, which is cool. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, we had a, uh, yeah, year before last and we were on a hunt and, and it was her only her second year elk hunting with a bow and, and we got out there and it had been a long trip and i mean she had come close she had yeah, i mean again it's like hunting with you know, I, I halfway through i think i asked her it was like you sure you don't want to pick up a compound it's <laughs> <laughs> like we had, had you know several bulls at 40 yards she's getting shot on and it was like what the was going to be like the last day we were out there before i packed in with my buddy to go try to find this deer and uh and we got into these elk and there's this one bull that was screaming his head off and and we're kind of in like we're he's up in this quakey patch right above us and we're kind of down in these more like kind of scrub oak and it's really open you know and um and we're trying to move up and i'm i'm just trying to like i'm trying to pull her with me as quickly as i can without you know sounding like an asshole and telling her to hurry up you know and Mm -hmm. so i'm pulling her along pulling her along and and you know we finally get to the point where i'm like okay well i'm gonna we're gonna have to move down because he's moving down now and so we start cutting over and we get into a spot where I'm like, okay, just get up there. Like right in, you know, they see this swale and there's like a little dip in there and it's right on the edge of this quakey pocket. And I'm like, I'm going to drop right back over the backside here. And as soon as I drop over that side, you know, I'm going to start calling and, uh, you know, hopefully get him lit up again. And sure enough, man, it's, I mean, I, I challenged him and he just starts lighting off and I can hear him coming and, and I can see his tips of his antlers coming and I can see like, I can see the top of her head and I see him dip down into the swale and I'm thinking like, I know where she's at. I know where that elk's at and they're gotta be within like 10 yards of each other. And I can't see anything happening. And, you know, and then, and, and I can, then I'm, I'm like looking and I see, and I can see antler tips and I can tell he is like probably five yards from her at this point And he's just at a standoff. And, uh, <laughs> she looks back at me and right about the time that she like turns her head like this, well, he saw something and he barked and, man she hit the freaking roof (laughs) (laughs) having that bull bark right in front of her face you know and she hits the roof and i mean we're now you know you know like when a bull barks at you especially in that situation he doesn't know what's going on it's a challenge bark like show yourself he's He's like he's like hey i don't know where the hell is going on so i was like you know well she thought like you know something else was going on he's scared he's running away or whatever and you know he he barked ran three steps one way and then turned broadside and where she could have just moved right out from behind that bush at the time that he had, you know, flipped a run and gotten a shot on it. And, but she didn't know how to do that at that point. And so, yeah, you see a lot of that kind of happen, but yeah, she, you know, and then the other side of it goes, you know, she's pretty upset at that point and you gotta, yeah, she might be a badass, but you know, she's still a woman. And so you, you know, got a lot of other emotions that come with that. And so <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful. <laughs> well, that's where, yeah, I would get in trouble because I'd be, you know, because I'm not ever like, you know, I'd be like, oh, you fucked that up. Probably yeah. not what they need to hear at that <laughs> That's time. That's what you want to say, right? Yeah. But yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. And I mean, because for me, I'm the first guy to be like, man, I fucked that up. Like, that was bad. Just it, it happens. I compound the fact she's got a stick in her hand. I mean, that can really be frustrating or whatever. But the, yeah. Have you ever heard one bark like that? Yeah. Like when you're doing it. 
and they just bark because they've smelled you. It's the same bark, but it's usually like I've only had them do that probably six or seven times calling. And, and a lot of it was in willows in that yep. high country where they're, they should be able to see you. They're close enough to where they know, you know, like 10 yards away. And man, when they do that, I don't have enough call. I cannot bark loud enough. I can bark, right? And then they'll bark back and you know your window of killing them before they bug out is just narrowing <laughs> every second. And so that one where I got caught in the willows with Brian when I had the, the recurve, it barked. But I couldn't sh- I couldn't even – I could really find my bow. Like yeah. it got yeah. to a point, bull 65 here and I'm here. You know those big swales come off the high country where you guys – we got stuck in uh, – it's like tag alder, basically. Yeah. And he's on the other side, and Brian's calling, and he's broadside just screaming. And it got to a point where I just was like, no guts, no glory. Fuck, I'm charging in. Yeah. Well, he heard that, and so he charged in, and I'm like, okay. Like, the first few feet into the willows, I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. The next few feet, I was arrows were ripping out of the quiver, and all he thinks is it's a bull. So I'm literally holding my quiver like this, trying to go forward, like just push through. I mean, we're 18, 15 yards apart. I can see the top of his horns. He's a, a, a 360, 370 bull. Brian has no idea what's going on, and I'm thinking, geez, I'm going to have to stab him. Like, and I, he got so far into the thick of the stuff, he couldn't get any closer either, and he barked. And I'm like, There's, unless I shoot an arrow straight up in the air like angry birds and it comes back down <laughs> on him, I ain't killing him. Like this pisses me off. So I try to work my way back out and he barked a few times like, hey, where are you going? Like, yeah. get your ass back here. And then we parted ways and he shit on my dreams and I didn't kill him. But yeah, that <laughs> yeah. when that happens, it's pretty earth shattering if you've never heard it before because it's <clears throat> and you're like, Jesus, yeah, what the exactly. hell? Yeah. Uh, no, I try to tell her just in like, you know, it's after that and i mean she, she like i said it's the learning curve is so steep and that's what's been cool about just getting out there and just doing it you know but is you know i'd, I'd like told her after that just trying to cheer her up it's like look <laughs> you we would laugh at the shit that i've screwed up you know and guess what every single time you screw up that means you're going to be a little bit better next time and it's like you're just this is all part of the learning curve at this point so yeah that happened with you and i on the listening thing on what no that's <laughs> <laughs> you you can't what? get mad at Frank, right? Because when I left and shot my deer, I said, whatever happens, I'll come back. Now, did you hear that I later? Do you remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> you didn't say that, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I shot the deer. I come all the way out, go all the way back, hike back to where Frank was, and I get there, and I can see him where the deer's at. And I have no – he has all my stuff, so – how can you? I can't get mad at him. He's got all my shit. He carried it all the way over there across this canyon. But I I'm had like, one backpack on my back and one on my front like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, I remember specifically saying, no matter what happens, I'll come back. And he's over on the other side now. I'm like, well, ah, whatever. I needed to exercise and come back, you know, come back around. So that's kind of stuff. I mean, it's funny now because I look back at it. I was like, I should have known. Should have just stayed here. Son of a man, I need water. All I have is Copenhagen, like an idiot, right? I mean, yeah. those are those times too where, you know, as far as the design aspect or like gear you need, I just left with my bow, didn't I? Yeah. I left everything with with Frank. Yeah, deer on the brain, and I'm like, I'm gonna stay mobile. 
God forbid I bring a water bottle with me. I mean, what would a camelback would have held me back? Because what that take me? Three, yeah, three and a half hours? Three hours. Yeah. Took I'm forever. Down. And like an, I'm chewing the whole time. Mm. Yeah. Laying there, sun fucking roasting me in this burn, like pinned down. There's deer around me because I don't want to blow this deer out. And the entire time I'm thinking, one, poor Frank is stuck on this rock, right, waiting for me to pop over this fucking hill that I'll probably never get to. And then, two, like my lips are all chapped, you know. <laughs> And I was, you, you know, chalk line around your oh, lips. Jesus, it was. What was that movie with uh, Clint Eastwood? He's like fucking giving the guy water through the rag and shit. Oh, the Josie good, Wales. Is that Josie Wales? I don't. Or maybe the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't oh yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would. I was about to lick my sweat, you know. But <laughs> you know, I come up over the hill, and there he was. He gave me the call sign. We killed the deer. You know, I mean, you look back and, you know, it's funny. But, man, at the time, I remember thinking multiple, nothing negative with Frank, but multiple of, like, why didn't I bring a water bottle? What the fuck was I thinking? Like, <laughs> well, 32 ounces would have really slowed me down, right? Like, Jesus, this is bad. But that's nothing to do with, I mean, hunting partners, really, other than dumb shit that you do. Because, you oh, know, yeah. I've had guys you know, that send me messages about bringing in two packs. So they have a day pack. And I'm like, well, I guarantee you're going to drop that day pack on the stock anyway, that final stock usually. So, I mean, you might as well have a big pack. And I've lost my pack many times, oh, right? Yeah. To where now we have orange pull cord. So at night you can see it. And then I carry that like the same kind of, you got a yep. Garmin, but yep. same principle. I'll hit it when I drop it. If it's a long stock, I'll mark it on the GPS because once with Joe Bott, with the lightning storm where he walked out, dude, we went through a bad one. Um, not to get off seven, we talk about funny shit. I find a big buck, and it might have been that one that Justin killed. Um, big deer. And he texts me, and I'm like, dude, I'm on a big, big deer. And there's a lightning storm coming in and thick fog. I drop my pack. 45 minutes later, I'm probably 100 yards from the deer and two from my pack, and I can't see. I couldn't see you from here. Yep. And then I'm getting worried, like... I know what's ahead of me. I, I know I can't find my pack. Like, I know there's not a fucking chance in hell on finding my pack or the deer. So I just sit there and I wait and I'm shivering like a cat shitting razor blades, just freaking cold. And then lightning starts to come in and I'm like, hey, fuck this deer. Right? I'm not going to be able to find it. I got to go find my pack. Luckily, I stayed warm doing circles. Finally find my pack. Then I can't find the fucking camp, right? Like, <laughs> this didn't happen that long ago. Like, I knew better. Yep. Well, these are the times where if 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 Amy or she went on, like, I would be so, you know, like, totally screwing up hunting, yelling, like, trying to find her. Because, I mean, you do that shit, and I knew better. And it took me, I don't think I found camp until 11. And, I mean, the lightning was so bad. I mean, like, you could read a book in the tent yeah. and, without a light. Yeah. And so the next morning I wake up at 4.30 and I text Joe. He's on a different mountain range across. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm going to try and find that buck. How'd it go last night? He's like, I'm driving home. <laughs> it was bad. Like, and I'm not afraid of lightning, but it came up the gut. And I'm like, God, please don't come my way. I mean, and this is cloud to ground. Holy shit. You're going to die lightning. And But for me, I'm like, I've got a long ways to tree line. I'm going to be soaked, right? The rain. I'm like, I ain't leaving. That shit curved to Joe. And I mean, it was hitting all around him. And so he literally in the middle of that storm packed his shit up and hiked out. I don't know why I'm telling this story other than I would not want a loved one, a female in my life going through that. Like, how do you sell oh, that? Shit. No, exactly. Oh, it'll be fine. We'll be able to roast marshmallows. This isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. Some of those lightning storms, you just got to lay there and just be like, well, shit. Hopefully it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Lance but, got yeah. hit by lightning. Yeah. You know Lance Banning? Yeah. 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 He got him he and, and him and uh, what's his buddy's name? <clears throat> what knocked him out? Yeah. Knocked them both out. They had uh, burn crazy. marks coming out their toes and injury wounds in their back. Like, you know, and Lance is like, hey, I got hit by lightning. I'll tell you about <laughs> yeah. it later. We were like, what the hell? Like, that's all? That's it? That's all you're going to give me? Like, whatever. Yeah, that would freak me out having. So, yeah, no, that's cool, though, that you guys can do it. Yeah, you want to talk about, you know, badasses that, you know, outside of the hunting realm and back to the running on a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this guy, Adam Campbell, um, but he's out of Canada. And he's a he was a big triathlete, and then he started getting into ultra running and stuff. But um, he was running hard rock. Isn't he a hunter now? I don't know. I, I'm not sure if he is, but... Isn't that – let's take a pause for the cause here. Isn't that the guy that Santino was selling? He has a hunting show now. I think um, – That guy's he, from Alaska. Did you say from Alaska? No, no this, guy's, this guy's from Canada. This guy's from Canada. Are you sure about that? I don't no. think it's the same one because you, you, you'll get the rest of the story. Oh, okay, I was just going to say it's going to be a crazy coinky dink anyway. Right, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, but he, uh, he was running Hard Rock um, like three years ago. And hard, for those who don't know, Hard Rock is like – one of the nastiest hundred milers, you know, out there. Uh, it's got like 35,000 feet of vertical gain and it connects up Telluride, Silverton, Ure, and like Lake City, basically. Mm-hmm. So the nastiest mountain range in Colorado, right? And um, so he's running it and they, they summit Mount Handys, which is the 14er down there. And as he's going up over the top of Mount Handys, you know, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon down there. I mean, you're going to get a lightning storm. Well, the dude gets struck by lightning up there and and uh i mean he gets knocked off his feet you know and he didn't even tell any of the aid station captains that he had been struck by lightning because he didn't want them to stop the race because he was out front <laughs> oh lord <laughs> so he finishes. that's a hard man yeah. oh yeah yeah no so he finishes and but he's he's crazy but yeah i mean you talk about crazy stories like that man so. that's is it now that guy is he one of the top he well he was um and then last year he was doing this traverse um he's a big like kind of mountaineering kind of guy you know so he does these ultras and stuff then he uses that fitness to basically just as he says you know um cover mountainous terrain as quickly as he can you know so he's doing these crazy traverses you know big big wall climbs kind of stuff like that but just really fast and they were doing this traverse called the like the horseshoe traverse um and you know i think it picked off like 14 or 15 i don't know multiple different peaks you know big class three four scrambles kind of stuff they're all roped in on most of it and um, they were making their way between two different peaks and through a saddle. And uh, he went to to climb up, and there's two of his buddies out in front of him. He went to climb up, and he grabs a rock, and uh, it was like the size of a refrigerator. They said, and it pulls, and the whole rock pulls out, and uh, and he falls, and I mean tumbled, you know, several hundred feet down off this mountain. And um, yeah, I mean his buddies, I guess, thought you know he's thought he's dead, obviously, and they made it way down there and. They got to him, and he was actually conscious when they got to him, I guess, and they just made a video about it. Um, but uh, still, it's, it's out on YouTube. It's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, he, you know, they, they flight for life to him out of there, and they gurney. I mean, they had the, you know, they had to uh, – Long know, line. The long line. Yeah, exactly. The long lined him out of there, and uh, they got him back to the hospital. And, I mean, the dude got completely rebuilt, basically. Um, and craziest part about it, though, I mean, that was in – like August of 2016 and the uh, lottery for hard rock is like in January or something like that. So he's still in the hospital bed, like going through PT and he throws himself into the lottery for hard rock just because like, <laughs> I just want to see, case. you know, and just in case and he got in and, uh, 
he raced hard rock last year. Good Less than a year later, and he was out there raced hard rock. So he's not one of the top guys anymore, and that's the whole the documentary. It's just kind of like how his whole perceptions had to change now because, I mean, the dude's like a bionic man, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. I guess when I get an ingrown toenail, I'm not going to complain anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus, hey, that sounds horrible. Good yeah. Lord. Well, cool. Well, it's crap, man. Do you, uh, we should probably head over. I think we're going to go. You still wanting to shoot? Yeah, let's go shoot, man. We're going to go shoot at each other, actually. But you get a handicap, Frank. You got the compound. So, <laughs> but, uh, do you, are, are you wanting, before we list you off, do you, are you wanting to be getting uh, followers or should we list your name on Instagram or do you care? I don't really care. So, what is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm private. So, if you look like a creeper, maybe I'll deny you. But, <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's funny. Oh, good Lord. I can list several guys right now that, uh, probably be mad at me if i do they're creepers no i'm just kidding um so it's <laughs> what is it it's david underscore hoff underscore 12 uh yeah i think david underscore hoff 12 12 like that yeah there you go where you can follow along if you're not a creeper on uh david's adventures uh running and hunting along with uh you know his wife and then you guys are also about to have a baby right we are yeah october Good Lord, that was a, well, you missed September, but. Yeah, but see, the, my, my company just came out with a parental leave. So the, theoretically, I get four weeks off. <laughs> it's smart, <laughs> man. pretty advantageous, I think. But. You start busting out kids once a year in September. I <laughs> yeah. just keep popping out in September and October. It's the damnedest thing. Oh, Lord, that's funny. Well, cool, man. Well, yeah, thanks for have, you know coming on. And, man, good luck on the, the race. And, obviously, um, you know everybody tune in if uh, you're wanting. And we'll get you back on here after and see how it went when you're all anemic and shit and can't drop a 30-pound bow back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll be limping around for about a week or so afterwards, at least. So. Good Lord. Cool, man. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, happy Memorial Day, everyone. Is that what you say? Happy Memorial Day? Yeah. Frank, you got any parting words? <clears throat> a wise man once told me they all feel the same. <laughs> <laughs>